Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back to the podcast. Returning is Coach Harvey, who is the DC at Huddle High School in Texas. Uh, I did not scare him away from the last time, so he has come back to educate me on coverages. Coach, thanks for coming back. Absolutely, man. No, thanks for having me. I know you had some dudes on here and you got, got your slate full, so I'm honored that you would call back, my man. I'm more honored that people say yes. Like, I've had like three say no whether it was their college won't allow them to, which I understand they just didn't want to, or the old, they're just not going to respond. It's just one of those. You know, I, I, uh, I take pride in, in talking ball. And, you know, I think that if, if, if we're all going to learn and we've got to collaborate and meet with one another and, and zoom makes that easy. Right. So I, I just, I don't know, man, I might bite off more than I can chew at some point, but you know, I, uh, I've had weeks where I've done, you know, multiple, multiple podcasts. And that's not to say that I'm this popular guy. It's just to say that I, I, I take pride in doing that for coaches and, you know, whether it's yourself or, or somebody else that's listening, I don't care how big the audience, you know, it's just not something I'm, I'm all wrapped up into. And, and it's not to talk bad about those that say no. I think that um, we're busy, obviously, as coaches. And I mean, I did, you know, I'll say it on the air. I, I left you hanging for an hour, <laughs> you know, and so sometimes things come up, but I do want to stay true to my word. And I feel like it's important to, to get on here and just, cause I might learn something, you know, as we talk along, along the way too. So why would I pass up that opportunity to learn something myself? Right. So that's just my, that's my personal conviction, if you will, right, wrong or indifferent. I'm not here to point fingers at anybody, but that's what Adam Harvey's going to be about. Yeah, you may not learn anything from me. I'm stupid simple, so nothing for me uh, is is. I don't think outside the box too much. I'm very simple. We all learn, man. We all learn different ways, so it's all good, dude. 
yeah, I learn more from everybody else. So it's more selfish for me. Like if I get guys on and I learn something, that's fine. Or, <laughs> or there's a little nugget somewhere in there, you know, and, um, and building a network too, at the same time. That's what I don't think people understand is you build a network. So you never know. Girlfriend decides that we can move out of Illinois and I move to Texas. Let's go to Hutto and I'll talk to Coach Harvey. Can does he know somebody? <laughs> you never know. You just never know. Oh, you're exactly right, man. I mean, networking is is underrated, I think, in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of guys wanna balk at it, but they don't really attempt or really put themselves out there enough, you know, whether it's fear or or just uh, you know, priorities or what have you. And I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you that I would be sitting right here. I uh, couldn't tell you that I would be this, the coach that I am without networking. Not to say I haven't worked underneath good coaches and directly with good coaches that I've been on staff with, because I have been blessed in that area. But some of the tweaks and some of the things that, you know, I may not have thought of because, uh, you know, it's just a different perspective. It's all come from networking. And then, um, you know, and then you find yourself getting to meet guys like Jim Leonard at Wisconsin or, you know, Jay Bateman out in UNC and, and a ton of other coaches that, you know, I've gotten to meet through networking, not because, uh, uh, you know, I've known a, co- a lot of college coaches because they recruited our kids. But those two I met through networking, legitimately met through networking, right? And so Drew Ambrose in, in Wisconsin with the Wisconsin Coaches Association who asked me to come on a Zoom during the pandemic. And then there's Jim Leonard and then he and I get to talking and now we've shared phone numbers and we're talking throughout the year, you know, and then, Jay Bateman, I honestly have no clue other than maybe following him on Twitter and him following me back. Uh, ended up with his phone number, and then we're on a Zoom just a week later, and he just shared what he knows about ball. And so I'm soaking that stuff up, you know. And so, again, uh, it's just something I think is really, really important and a lot of times undervalued by coaches. Yeah, not, not as much anymore. I think coaches have done a good job with it, and I think, you know, finding the silver lining of the pandemic is one of those things that, we had to. I mean, we had to jump on Zoom. And so when you're doing the chalk talk and you see somebody on there that you may have seen on Twitter or, or what have you, it, it just kind of all comes together, you know, and I, and I find that really neat. You know, the whole small world thing, it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing. I'm about to hang out with Dan Casey this weekend because he's coming all the way down to Texas to do our coaches association. And, and so we're going to kick it. And we kicked it in Orlando and we kicked it in Nashville. And I talked to Dan a lot on the phone as well. So, I mean, just there's, there's opportunities out there that I think just sit and, and, and they're waiting for somebody to go grab them. Um, and I'm very passionate about being one of those guys that's going to go grab it and then also one of those guys that can offer that opportunity. So I'm telling you right now, if you come to Texas, you holler at me, I'll do what I can to help you out. So uh, sorry to be long-winded there, but I'm very passionate about that, Coach. No, because I think this wasn't a thing when I was coming into coaching. You – the internet stuff wasn't there, but you still had to go talk to coaches, but you had those coaches that were like, I'm not going to tell you, you like, I'm not giving away the secret. Right. You know, then I think, like you said, in the pandemic, we had to learn, I didn't know what zoom was. People said zoom's been around since 2011. I was like, I didn't know what zoom yeah. was. Sure. And I think our significant others all probably hated us because we had to talk football with somebody or it was, it was double-edged short. They hate us because we couldn't talk ball. And then we do talk ball for hours on Zoom. Like, what are you doing for hours? And, like, it's therapy. So, I think that was a big oh. thing. But you're right. Like, the podcast is now working like Coach Banstra. We became friends during this from podcasting. And now he's, like, reaching out to coaches to talk to me. He's trying to promote stuff. Um, 
like Coach at Rudolph Allen or uh, Coach Rudolph at Ohio University, O-line coach, you can come on and talk to me, like that type of stuff. And it's like that never would have happened if you didn't reach out and talk to people. Absolutely. And like I said, I'm simple stupid. So like people don't get nothing from me. Like I'm so simple. They're like this guy. But I think just for them to talk to me to get stuff out of out of their mind and that just helps. So that's kind of what it is. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so last time we talked, I'm trying to remember, like I said, I'm brain dead today. You left me hanging for an hour, but I needed that hour to like regroup myself from football because we're coming in hot and heavy. Um, you run a three, four, you said last time. Um, and you mix a lot of coverages. So we were just talking. So I'm going to ask stupid questions because I'm an offensive guy. Sure. So if you see a team that's their main thing is like two by two, like a spread two by two. And they like to throw the ball a lot. What are you looking at then to like, this is the coverage we need to do. So like an air raid team, if you see an air raid team, what what's your best coverage you think you're going to combat with that? Like, how are you going to come into that? We like, this is the coverage we need to do. And how do you go about installing that or, or going through it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think the first thing that we try to figure out is what, you know, like you said, with an air raid team, um, air raid is air raid, right? So they're going to try to throw a lot of quick game and they're going to try to get you on mesh routes and they're going to try to get you on the shallows. And so I think if, if you can find a way to get your dudes in windows um, to kind of combat that, that's, that's the number one priority. Um, then you have to ask yourself what personnel, you know, so if I've got guys that can man them up, is that something I want to do to send some pressures and just run man across the board? Or would I rather be in a zone concept? Um, I'm naturally more of a zone guy, you know, in the world of match. I love, I love what our defensive minds have done. Uh, again, well beyond, you know, anything that I've, that I've thought of or created, but I think, I think with the zone match and the man match concepts that have come about and, and particularly college ball over the last 10 years, um, have really helped us. And, and, and for me personally, and what I like to do conceptually, it's helped me because we can be in a man or a zone on any given, you know, snap, give the same look and then, you know, and work what we want to work against the two by two sets. So, um, you know, it depends on how good those slots are, you know, a lot of times and then how we can combat them with our overhangs being in the three, four, uh, will, will dictate kind of what coverage we want to be in. And then you go into pressures, you know, if we're going to pressure, we're going to be in some type of match, whether it's zone or man. Um, but I think a lot of that, you know, just, it kind of comes together, you know, our, our, our front and backs are definitely separate, but they're married. If that makes sense. They're two different, uh, beings, but they're always going to marry into one another. You know, I'm not a guy that um, will call a coverage based on formation just because that's what we run against that formation. We're going to call a coverage based on what our front's doing before we're calling a coverage based on the formation. Um, and again, I, I mentioned this in our last time we sat down and talked is like, I want to call defense like an offense, you know, yeah. coverage wise, you can't do that as well as you can in the box. But I think what you do in the box dictates your coverage just as much. I'm not going to say more, but just as much as the offensive formation that you're getting, right? So that offensive formation and, and the dissection of that and then communicating what we need to be in is extremely important. And, but I always want like two or three coverages per formation so that we're not being redundant. We're not being, you know, uh, predictable. And then, and then offenses are picking us apart, especially with those air raid concepts because they can do that. Uh, those good ones, especially the coaches that 
that have really mastered that air raid concept and, and process. And down here in Texas, we see a lot of it because of, you know, Mike Leach and, and the success that he had uh, at Texas Tech. You know, the Big 12 was the offensive, you know, conference for a long time. And, and I'm a Red Raider, so it's easy for me to say it was Coach Leach, but I really truly believe that. Even when he was at Oklahoma and then when he got his head job at Kentucky, we saw some of it, you know, even in the SEC a little bit before, you know, Saban and those guys got settled and did what they did to, to those those offenses. But, you know, that that's kind of our thought process is, you know, how can we match it, whether it's zone or man, and then how does it marry into our front? Um, because if we're losing linebackers on a pressure, then we've got to make sure that we're, we're doing – you know, we may show a too-high shell every time, but we got to make sure we're rolling and, and scrolling based on, you know, what backers are pressuring and that type of thing. So are you taking, like, the TCU thing? Because, like, TCU, they call separate. So, like you just said, they worry about the box – so they call whatever, like, like if they call Eagle, and I think their blitzes are bullets. So if they call that, they know they're losing a backer. Then they figure out the formation. Then they base the coverage. Because I think their two linebackers always doing the same type of coverage for the most part. So is that kind, right. of, is that kind of what you're doing? Like, okay, here's my box. I dictate that first. And then once I figure out what I want to do, then, then I can call the coverage in late. Sure. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's definitely two calls, right? Um, so it does, it does that you know dictate like what we're doing on the back end based on where the linebacker is going to be. Um, I think the difference would probably be we're going to be a little bit more symmetrical just because of scheme than like a TCU because they're in a four-two-five. You know, they may have uh, head-up alignments like you were saying. If they're in a G front, and they have head-up alignments, and then you know one particular edge rusher or whatever the case may be. Um, depending on where that nickel stands, they may have to make the coverage, you know, right, so to speak, quote unquote. Um, where we're going to be a little bit more balanced. So, like I ask both overhangs to be somewhat of a nickel, depending mm -hmm. on the formation, depending on what we're calling up front. So we may roll. Again, based on a blitzing backer, it's probably very similar to what you were saying. But but in our base stuff, you know, or if we're blitzing an interior backer or if we're blitzing away from where the strength of the formation is, depending on how we're calling strength that particular game, now we can we can mess with the back end a little bit more um, and marry everything together, if that makes sense, right? So that would be part of the game planning deal rather than just keeping everything completely separate. It is two calls, but it just depends on the makeup of what we're calling defensively, whether or not it's, you know, two different entities, if you will. Right. Um, so, like, with your coverages, do you do, like, I think you said before, you do, like, the two-read coverage and stuff. Yep. I'm always curious how people practice that. I coached defense a little bit at one point. It was the four-two-five, and that head coach wanted it all. Like, if you opened up the TCU playbook, it was like, I want all this, and I want every terminology. So the blue coverage, the mixed coverage, where like if he goes out, this guy has to jump and all that stuff. And to practice that in two days before a game is very tough. So I'm always curious how people um, rep that in practice. Like, Yeah, it, yeah for sure. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm an offensive guy, so I can kind of tell when teams are doing that, but it's also hard to tell, like where they're yeah. lined up. Talking to like Nick Davis, they'll line up a certain way to make sure you don't know. Like, you have no idea. And he's telling you, like, this guy's really responsible for number two, and he's responsible for one. And you don't yeah. know until it happens. Sure. So 
I'm always curious how people practice that because in my stupid world, I'm like, that seems like a hard thing to practice and make sure right. the kids are picking it up. Yeah, I think, I think it's a lot like, you know, just practicing your offensive concepts. Again, you know, you've got rules, especially with the O-line. So, like, we have rules, but it's really to start out, we, we kind of do it, I guess, to break it down into segments. Our three segments, number one, would be, you know, align the same way. And then eye discipline would kind of be a 1B. 1A is align the same way. 1B would be eye discipline. So um, let me back up. But prior to that, it's communication, right? Yeah. Making sure right. you know, like, who's for Like, I'll do a communication drill that's very, very important to me. And our kids have really done a good job with it. But still, even, like, they struggle with at times because they, they think a little bit too much. I'm way good with a lot of thoughts and thinking process happening pre-snap because that, that thing, I think that makes them play play faster post-snap. I'm okay with them thinking pre-snap. Now question is, is how much time do you have to think? And they don't know that. So, you know, like we need to be on top of our game and that's where film study comes in. So, so going back to that after communication, one a is aligned properly. One B would be I discipline. And then I think you just kind of find those those concepts that that other team, whatever team you're playing for the week, does really, really well, and you rep the crap out of it in half line, right? So, like we, you know, Oklahoma drill being as big as Oklahoma drill would be, what we would like to do a lot of times is maybe even get with the offense, have them talk in their terminology, run the same concepts that we're about to see that is in the quick game, and we'll do an uh, basically a Oklahoma drill on the perimeter, right? Perimeter Oklahoma drill. And so what that is, is your screens, your quick game, all that good stuff that, you know, we're block destruction and we're filling our alleys and we're attacking leverages. So then, you know, if we're doing like vertical stuff, you know, seven on seven, a lot of times we'll deal with the vertical stuff. So we don't have to focus in on that enough or a lot, but before we come into seven on seven stuff, we'll do two man routes. So those two-man routes, like I might give, you know, I'm standing behind the secondary, behind the safeties, and I may give the offensive guys a route concept. We'll either have it a kid or, or another coach throwing the ball. And so we'll just rep it through those different coverages. And we may run one coverage, run three concepts at them in the same coverage. They have to, you know, basically, again, communicate, align properly, have good eye discipline in whatever's coming at them. So then from that, we'll graduate to three-man routes all half line and then on three man routes like if we have some type of cover three concept we'll throw a backside safety in so that they know uh, you've got a poacher and you don't you know you just just kind of know your depth and divider rules and that type of thing when you're running again like i said earlier when you're running your match concepts understanding your depth and divider rules based on the three man routes and the concepts that are going to be thrown at you so you know a lot of that is just studying for coaches studying on the over the weekend what are their top three plays out of two two man routes what are their top three plays out of three man routes? Rep the living crap out of those three. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. 
I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment, bedsheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bedsheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. During during our time, group time, and then when seven on seven hits, you'll get all those other concepts that they may run two or three times a game, right? But really make sure those top three pass plays are repped a ton in your two-man and three-man route portion of practice. So that's kind of what we do. And then, like I said, we like to get our offense involved in the quick game and run that Oklahoma perimeter drill. Yeah, what, why I can't coach defense is because I'd be too worried about if your corner, your safety is responsible for number two, and he does something, they read it wrong, then it, it blows up. You know, yeah. that, that, because as an offensive guy, when we see that, we try to do screens or we try to do um, scissors, get a post in a corner going, we try to rub route. Um, so as a defense, I'm like, what if they read it wrong? What if this blows up at our face? So you guys that run the two read of quarters, I commend you because I don't know if I could do it. Because I coached a three, four before. We were as base as base could get, like cover four, cover two, cover three, man. That was it. If we had a robber, it was the one safety that could pick. And that was it. But this was also six, seven years ago where, you know, all that stuff wasn't around yet. Um, sure. I would be worried to death about telling them to read that and read it right what, in high school anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, again, it's just priorities, right? You got to prioritize. And, and at some point you do have to kind of turn them loose. You know, I kind of equate it like parenting. I mean, you know, if, if I'm dropping my two year old off at daycare and he hates to, you know, he's having separation anxiety. There's at some point I got to get to work. So I got to man up and say, all right, you're on your own, <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of the same way in coaching. I mean, at some point, you know, I'm going to hold your hand when you're crossing the street, but at some point I got to let you go and you got to figure out to look for the cars yourself. I can't teach you when you're 18 out across the street, you know? And so that's kind of where we are with our coverages. And, and, and again, my EDDs, we are communicating everything. And so when we work footwork, we're working footwork based on the coverage called rather than, okay, now guys, we're going to pedal. Now we're going to shuffle. Now we're going to T-step. Now we're going to bicycle. No, you know what you're supposed to do. Like we may do that in seventh and eighth grade. That's holding your hand crossing the street. We're not doing that in high school, right? So I just had a conversation with a young man this morning. Like, dude, this is no longer freshman ball. If you are stuck in freshman mode, you're going to hate one of two things, either me or football. And guess what? I am football. Like I am the defensive coordinator here and I'm not going anywhere. So you have to get on board with what we're doing or this is going to be miserable for you and you're not going to make it. And quite frankly, I don't want that for you. You know, like you may think that man, coach is picking on me right now. And luckily he had the right answer. I said, why am I picking on you? Because you care coach. Thank you. And then I said, would you please care? Like, would you please care enough to, so that I don't have to call you out 
in front of all your boys. I am tired of crossing the street with you. I'm not holding your hand anymore. Figure it out. And we're moving on, you know? And so it's, that's, that sounds like, you know, it's tough. I'm, I am tough. I'm going to coach them hard. I'm going to coach them as hard as I possibly need to coach them. And hopefully they catch on, you know, and if what they don't, they're sitting on the sideline. And luckily in Texas, we got enough to put somebody else in and they're usually pretty good. So, but you know, because kids do care, but you got to get them to care and, and if they don't, you know, you, you can't continue to to hold their hand. You know, that's that's the analogy that keeps coming to mind. You know, I mean, I'm going to leave you at daycare. Eventually, I'm going to teach you how to cross the street. But it, at some point, I can't stay at daycare with you, and I can't hold your hand crossing the street. Because at some point, I got to let you go, and you got to figure it out on your own. I had the same problem this morning. I said, you know we're gonna do everyday stuff so i said everyday stuff it's you should be able to set up whatever we're doing and i should be able to walk away i should be able to go talk to the oc real quick about something some of them screwed it up so i had to come over and i was like all right i'll hold your hand on this i'm going to show you i said tomorrow though when i show up that it better be done and then you know then that big question why like why are we doing one of these things and it's a young kid for example skip pull skip pull is one of my everyday things they have to do it on their own i don't have time to do that every day with them. Like I've got other drills, I've got scheme and I have a guy already hurt filming for me already. And that's a new record. I think to be filming already with an injured guy. And they asked me, why do we skip pull? And I have to stop. I have to explain why. And I go, you just wasted 35 seconds of my time. How am I going to get that 35 seconds back? And their eyes get real big and, and, but I'm the jerk. And I'm like, I'll be the jerk all day long. Us all line coaches can be jerks. But yeah, I had the same problem of like, because some are freshmen, some are sophomores. The sophomores make me mad. I'm like, this isn't last year anymore. Yeah. Especially if you're around me right now at the varsity level, like, that, nope, this ain't going to fly. And then I yeah. said, did a freshman coach allow you to act this way? And if they, if, you, if they did, let me know. I'll go talk to them. And they just shut up. They're just like, nope, I don't know what you're talking about. That's, I had the same problem. Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, it's it's all part of the growth process, but but yeah, it is nerve wracking. To answer your original question, I mean, it's you know, I pull my hair out many a night because of bad leverage or bad eye discipline or you know bad footwork, you know what have you. And that's um, uh, part of being a DB's coach because that's that's another thing everybody in the stands knows when a DB screws up. So, um, like I said, I have stupid questions. So just just bear with me. You may leave this podcast and say I'm never going back because he's stupid. <laughs> You're good. With your three four, with your outside backers, are you asking them to do the same type of read stuff? And is it quote unquote easier for them because they know they have a safety behind them? The Coach Steve Show is sponsored by the Launchpad Kickoff Team. If you're a football coach out there, high school, college, NFL, doesn't matter, and you're looking for that edge for your special teams, for your kicker, for the kickoff, onsides, you guys need to go to launchpadkickofftee.com. If you have a younger guy trying to develop the kicker, you want the ball to get to the end zone, you need to go to Launchpad Kickoff Tee. This tee gives a coach a strategic options for squib kicks, onsides, everything. It is proven that your kicker will kick off farther. It is legal for NCAA, for high school, okay? The Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a game changer. So if you go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS, 
to use the code CSS, you can get a Launchpad Kickoff tee for 10% off. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. You can use the code CSS for the Coach Steve Show to get 10% off. Also, there's a bundle. You can get one for 10% off. You can go to two and get more percent off. Or there's an option to buy four. If you click the option to buy the four kickoff tees, if you like it so much, when you use the code CSS, you'll get the fourth one free. So instead of paying full price for all four, you'll get three. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. Use the code CSS. Get 10% off. Buy four to get the fourth one free. This is a game changer, guys. It does more than just hold your balls. Go get the Launchpad Kickoff tee today to give your kicker an edge for next season. As you guys know, the Coach Steve Show is also brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. The Unhinged Sports Network is a 24-hour, seven days a week, non-stop playing uh, radio podcast about any sport that you guys can imagine. They have a proud partnership with Fanatics. So if you go to the link in the description, uh, go to Fanatics, use that link, and go get some gear to support the Coach Steve Show and to support the Unhinged Sports Network. They have deals all the way up to 70% off. They have deals for free shipping, and they have every single sports team you can think of. Your college team is going to be on there. Your professional team is going to be on there. They have good deals on jerseys, t-shirts, hats, socks, anything you want. So please use the link in the description to go to fanatics.com. Save big on your team's gear to help support the the Unhinged Sports Network and to support the Coach Steve Show. And like, how does this, how do I ask this? Because sometimes your outside linebackers are not the best athletes. Sometimes those guys are run fitters. Sometimes they're not good in coverage. So for your defense, you probably, do you need more coverage guys out there? Or are you looking for more run fitters? And how does that yeah. work when you do all that? Yeah, that's that's not a stupid question at all, man. I think I think that's a you know philosophy thing. Um, in our particular in our particular stuff, we do ask those guys to be nickels, as I said earlier, right? They're both they're both going to be nickels. Now, one of them might be more apt to be that fourth rusher if we get a three man surface and we want to walk down and play a six. We may have one of those two dudes kind of follow that guy and be that guy, and then the other be a true nickel, and now you're playing it like a 4-2-5. Mm-hmm. But all things considered, day one, until we can't anymore, we want both of those dudes to be versatile, right? And so uh, as far as footwork goes, it's different. Um, and, it, and, again, it's going to depend. I, I don't want to give too generic of an answer, but it is what it is. I mean, it's the truth. It depends on the coverage, right? And so, like, we're going to play – we're going to play those guys both in the run and in the pass – pretty much exactly the same because that goes back to reads, especially those guys are the ones being read in most of the RPOs. Very, very seldom, and we will on occasion, but very seldom are we seeing third-level RPOs. But so at the same time, one of those guys in the spring was a converted corner. The other was a converted safety, right? A little bit bigger, a little bit more, I wouldn't call them lumbering, but more physical, um, and so, and one of them kind of out of necessity had to move from safety down, down there. Uh, the other one probably wasn't going to get to play at corner and he was too good to be, to keep off the field. So we moved him inside and he's bigger kid and, you know, will fit that well. He'll fit that profile well. So, you know, footwork wise, we're going to try to keep those guys 
the exact same. And then kind of what you're saying with the athleticism, they're going to have to be able to open hips, you know, get to their drops if we're in a true zone, open hips and play man if we're in a match, you know, that type of thing. And depending on the call, um, that's where that stuff will change with them. But we'll, we'll ask those guys to man up on occasion. You know, we may run some, uh, some man free, you know, two man, that type of thing. And so when we do, we're asking those guys to man up on the slot. And now, like you said, they have help over the top with the safety. And so now do I, you know, do I wall, do I funnel? Those types of things are where we kind of do some different nuances and, and give them different opportunities to, again, play a different technique. And one of them may wall where the other may funnel, you know, because one of them may be really good with wall coverage, being able to hug that inside hip, you know, and drive that guy outside where the other one might be a little bit more aggressive. And so if we can get a hand on the outside shoulder, now he can play high hip to low hip and funnel that guy to the safety. You know, we're okay with some of that stuff too, just kind of depending on what, again, what pressure we have called, if we have a pressure called, what the down and distance is, what they like to do, you know, and that all comes with game planning. So, you know, we really try to be, try to be pretty, pretty, pretty much the same across the board uh, as much as we can, but, but there's always going to be a different leverage you know, and, and some things that's also going to feed right into what that kid does well, right? And so I think that's the essence of coaching. If I got a kid that can really skip pull as an old line coach, well, let's call those plays as much as we possibly can. If I got another one that's not very good at the down block, you know, opposite of the skip pull, now we may not call it as much, but we're still got to call it because this dude can get off. He, he can go right now and his skip is as good as they come, right? So it's the same thing. This dude can funnel, that dude can wall. Let's call those coverages that get this guy funneling and that guy walling. And then we've got two free safeties on top of it that know, okay, he's going to funnel and he's going to wall because we've talked about it all week, right? And so just kind of helping those guys out, um, I think, is, is, again, part of the essence of coaching and making sure you're putting guys in position to make plays. Yeah, um, I used to call your type of defense that you're describing like a hybrid 3-4 because when I coached 3-4, you, we, we called our outside backers R&L, you know, rocket laser. And we people just figured out, oh, the rocket or whatever is their strong side outside linebacker. So guess what they would do? Not run the ball that way. They would pass that way. And our L was more like a whip or whatever people call it, who was faster. So they kind of figured that out. So I like the way you're describing it is you don't know what they're going to do if they're similar in the way you're going to call it. So they can't – you're trying to dictate what they're going to do instead of them dictating to you – Essence of that four two five, that's kind of why they do. Um, so I like how you describe that instead of like he's always strong side, he's always this or this to to, to disguise it as as I should say from because if I'm watching you guys on defense, like well I know he's going to do this because he's the strong side. Well, what if they do the same thing? What if they're taught the same thing, or just a little bit different technique, but they still have the same principles? Like that's hard to game plan for on the offensive side. Absolutely. Um, That's kind of what we're shooting for. I mean, I don't know that we're always great at it, but (laughs) that's what we'd like to to pose that idea. So, Well, it's just disguising it. Like you said, call defense like an offense. If you can disguise what you're doing, we as an offense don't know. Like if your man coverage looks exactly like this coverage, we don't know. RPO stuff, man stops it. So like if it does look like a man, we may not call RPO, but you're sitting there going, I'm just in a cover too. I'm not a man. But if it slows them down or disguises it, that's what it's for. And if you got two true outside nickels that could fly around, that disrupts it even more. Absolutely. Um, so, like, 
I know it's probably going to depend on coverage. So for since you got three down linemen with your outside guys, what's their read? I know it's probably depend on coverage. What's their read? Because they probably show up in the run game a lot too because what's the first thing an offensive coordinator is going to see is three man, we're going to run the ball. Right. Five should be able to block five. So for those outside guys, like, are you always – if it's zone, they're probably looking in the box. Like, what's their read? And – do play actions ruin it? Do does that give problems when that happens and all that stuff? Again, I have stupid questions, but this is what. Oh, no, you're doing. good. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. So, so based on, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, based on that front, their read doesn't necessarily change, but their positioning might. And so, what we're going to read is is the tackle, right? And then we're going to read through him to the ball. If if I have a tight end, a three man surface and we walk down on top of him and play a six, now we're going to play that a lot like a boxed 4-2-5. We're just going to play him in a box. Um, but, yeah, his read, his read is still the tackle. I know it sounds weird because he's on top of the tight end there, right? He's on top of the Y. But we're just going to kind of figure out, you know, why they want to get in this formation, what they're trying to do, and then do our best to, to try to keep that kid's job you know, as simple as we possibly can. You know, and you've said multiple times the whole, you know, I'm, I'm stupid and simple. Again, I want kids to think pre-snap. I don't want them thinking post-snap. Mm-hmm. And so, so with that said, like, okay, if I walk down here and change my alignment and I'm still playing that box set, then, then I know my footwork has to be this, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to slant inside because now we have a pressure called then my footwork has to be that. So that that's kind of where where we are with that. But as far as our reads, you know, if we're in an overhang position, um, you know, they're they're staring down that outside hip of that tackle and looking for high hat, low hat, and then we're going to read through to the ball. If it's two backs, that read might change a little bit. But again, that depends on pressures. It depends on what we're doing. You know, when I call the front that I call, because um, we may still be in a tight four look and we may be running a stunt. If we're running a stunt. And we now have a pressure tagged with that stunt, then things will change and our read will even change. We even might read the guard, right? So it just kind of depends on what our call is and what they're reading. But base stuff, day one, they're reading the tackle. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready got to be careful with that though too because you know we get a low hat and then an rpo now we're screwed right so so even with that we we slow our reads quite a bit and it just depends on the team that we're playing if we feel like that team's going to try to rpo us a lot we'll just slow our reads a lot and and i'm okay with him being a little bit slower and then what i'll do is double fit that gap a lot of times 
based on again what our interior backers are doing, what our fronts doing, that type of thing. So, so it's like a nice slow shuffle if they're RPO and like just take the slow shuffle so you're able to like yeah. drive back if you see that he's correct still has the ball. Exactly. Like I said earlier on your on your previous question, you know, like like their first two to three steps are identical every time, um, and so we just call those recognition steps. So. You know, if you're a DB, it's the same thing as your recognition step DB-wise. Are you a shuffle? Are you a pedal from the corner, right? Are you, you know, doing the scuffle technique or scooch technique, or what I call a scuffle, from the safety position? Or are you doing a true pedal, right? So it's the same thing. We're just going to work, you know, we're going to stop the run first. So we're kind of in, in, and out, right? So our, our in, in steps, we're looking at our read, whatever our read is, guard or tackle. And then when we go out, that means they have pulled the ball either in a zone or excuse me, zone read or, a, or an RPO, a pass. And then we can fit it accordingly. Because usually, again, I'll, I'll have somebody, depending on the base of the call, we'll have somebody in that C gap helping out with the crease. You know, it could be the four technique. It could be the interior backer. I mean, sometimes if we're doing something really exotic, it could be a safety that's coming down and fitting the crease like in a buzz look. Um, so we'll do different things with that just to, again, keep the offense off balance. But that kind of helps that dude a little bit too because if he's like, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, we tell him to slow your read down, and then you can enter that fit late. And so we'll have a double fit in the C gap, which I love, you know, because if we can double fit the C gap, especially against 10 personnel, I mean, there's only five five-man core, right? So if there's a five-man core and I can double fit the C gap with two guys, I really like my chances because everything else is going to be fit based on our fast flow concepts and different things. And so, again, I might run a, a one high. We may rat a safety where he's screaming down into the box right now. We may, you know, rock and roll our fits with our interior backers. We might even do some type of loop where you might have a defensive end that can come all the way around and play the A gap and my nose cross with him on the backside. Well, I still have another guy, you know, A gap fitter with my inside linebacker. Right. So there's just some different things that we do to play games with that. Again, keep that offense off balance. But if I have two fitters in that C gap, I'm fine with him being a little bit slower to the fit, him meaning the overhang like you were asking. Yeah, we we used to stunt like the outside backer and our end, and that safety would walk down and take his responsibility. So now you're back to a one high. They're coming in and it's late. So he's walking sure. down and now you're rolling it at the at the snap. Or another thing we like to do, and this was years ago, was blitz the corners and those safeties go pick up those corners out of that 3-4, which was great. Loved yeah. it. You got those speedy corners at the very last second. They're coming in. We called it knife because we're knifing them. Like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and another thing we like to do, I don't know if you've ever done it, was we'd send our ends out in a flat and blitz the outside guys just to get real – real sexy with it, like send the ends out to be in that flat coverage and send the guys yeah, out. Yeah, and then come underneath, yeah. We just called that cloud. We just sent them out and come in. Um, but like I said, we were just cover two, cover three, man, and then exotically would add those stunts and walk those guys down. Like you, like you said at the very beginning was, whatever your box is doing is going to dictate what's happening outside. So if you want to stunt that outside backer, well, now you got to figure out what coverage is going to match that. So for a lot of people, it might be just cover three because you're going to go to one safety. Um, or do you find that man works better when you want to stunt those? Like with your outside? Uh, we do both. 
Yeah, we do both. Again, it'll depend more on – that's where, in my opinion, that's where you got to know your offensive personnel, right? KYP, know your personnel. So if we feel like, again, they're going to do something with that with the slot, um, it, it really doesn't matter then either. Do I want do I want to zone that slot off or do I want to man him up? That's my question. If I want to man him up, you know, like we won't disguise a ton of it. Um, we'll just get in it. If I want – to zone him off, that's where our disguises come in, which I'm more of a proponent of. I'd rather be more of a disguising, you know, defense than, hey, here, let's show our hand and, and you know, come at it. So um, another thing I really like to do is, and that, you know, that's kind of where simulated pressures come in. So we'll line up with all seven in the box, or excuse me, on the line, you know, in what we call bandit, uh, foot in a hole. And then I might have one of those backers, um, usually won't do it with an interior lineman unless he's really a dude. But somebody that's there, whether they're like in an amoeba look, right, everybody's standing up, just kind of milling around, somebody's going to drop and play on top of him, and we'll funnel that. So we still got a safety scrolling down to play. Like if it's a three-by-one, we'll have a safety scrolling down to play too. But if it's a two-by-two two or, or what have you, one of those backers, and you're not really sure where, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of draw it up to where it's a, you know, it's a conducive look will drop and wall that guy off and you still have a true free safety and a split safety look. You know what I mean? So it becomes two man that way as well, even though it may be an interior backer that's kind of unorthodox, that's dropping out of that simulated pressure. Well, now we're bringing a five man or six man pressure. You better get rid of the ball quick. Right. And so when we do that, that's where we change our footwork too. We'll change our footwork with our safeties and they can just sit there and read it. Right. And they may be able to jump it pop it and, and if we're lucky get a pick six so um that's one of the things that that i showed a lot on over the pandemic we had a kid who just got drafted by the broncos this year um at my previous school and the dude was unbelievable i mean he could sit and read flat footed at 12 and pick a ball at four yards off pick it off and take it back to the house i mean that's how good he was but we would do a lot of stuff with him that just made it a lot of fun because now i'm telling him hey we're in sky three and you're playing at 12 yards, but he knew right now I got to get down to four yards, play inside leverage of that slot. Well, the ball sometimes was already in the air as he's coming down, but he had such a burst, he would jump it, pick it, and, and take it to the, you know, to the crib. And so, you know, when you got guys like that, man, it's a lot more fun. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll do a lot of different things. And so I, I love, you know, that whole disguising and the simulated pressures with the creepers. You know, coming from unconventional spots and, you know, showing pressure in one place and dropping maybe even a D lineman here or there. But when they're all up front, they all look like D linemen because they're all in two-point stances. You know, maybe in your dime package where you really truly only have one or two D linemen on the field. Now you can have fun with it. So we'll do some of that stuff too. Made my skin crawl when you brought that up. I hate seeing that as the old line coach when everybody walks up and stands up and they're all – those in four eyes piss me off. All of that, <laughs> those in four eyes. Uh, we're getting better at handling the four eyes, but they still cause problems, especially in an odd man front. You've got like a zero, three, four eye or something, and a backer walked up. That just, for old Lyman, just blows their mind. Maybe not in Texas, but like in, in Illinois, that would just blow some kids' minds. Uh, we've had success with that down here. I mean, there's a reason a lot of these college coaches that are running, you know, that type four look, man, it's a, it's a bear when, when it's done right. I'm, in fact, I've been watching some all 22 and, you know, Ohio state has really made their name with the four down. I think, you know, whether it's, 
mean, all those guys that have been through there, you know, Fickle's doing a good job at, at Cincinnati too right now. And, and uh, even them, like getting in a true bear front, like the old school three techniques, you know, because it's a tough, it's, it's a bear, no, no pun intended. It's a bear from some of those, those offenses. And they did it against Clemson, you know, last year in the, in the national semifinal. And, you know, of course, Clemson, I think had, you know, a lot of people forget the success Clemson had early in that game because mm-hmm. Ohio State ran away with it. But when they ran away with it, they got out of their overfront. They were in under and they were in uh, bear, right? And so and then they ran some G stuff too where they were just head up a line. But like one time they had a G and a two and a G and a three, you know, and so they're in a two over here and a three over here and it screws up with rules, you know, because that guy's head up. He's not a shade anymore. This guy's in a three. So, but, you know, now they're thinking, okay, what's our strength? Is this an over or under? Because now the, the rules change, you know, and so okay. and the little bit of success that they had in the overfront early on, they ran like a two and a three and just changing up with the rules. And, and that's what we want to do too. We want to mess with your rules. If we can mess with your rules and then we have fun with it, like in the film room, what I want to tell those guys is you want to hear bubbles and bows. If you've created bubbles and bows in the offensive line and bubbles and bows with the path of the running back, we win. You know, we've won that, we've won that rep. And then eventually, you know, that's what you want to hear. And so that's kind of what we want to do. And we want to make you think. And if we make you think, and then we're quick and we're quick twitch and we're getting after it and we know what gap we're going to based on our call. Um, we're going to try to cause some havoc back there. So, Yeah, that, that tight three-fourths kind of is a big thing. Now, um, Coach Maines I had on here in Florida, he's big proponent of that tight three-four. And like you said, a lot of teams are running different things like that. And he and I talked about it, and he's like, yeah, it just really messes up the inside. So when you want to do inside zone, you've got a zero and two techniques or something, that kind of screws it up. Then you need some fast guys on the outside because what am I going to do? I'm going to go to the outside. But you're hoping that tackle is going to come down and that guy loops around. He just wants to clog everything in the middle to get to the outside. Um, so it's funny you brought that up. People are starting to do that, and it messes with us. And that's where I come stupid simple, and my rules are like covered, uncovered, and that's all I have. Sure. Because of that, um, we played a three-team uh, three in the spring. We, ISO, we had the ball for 11 minutes straight. And we just ran ISO. And so after we scored and they got the ball and scored, that we came back out there, they went straight to a 0-2-2. Like they were just, we're done with it. We're done with your ISO. They, brought, those, it in. they brought them in, brought their outside guys in and said, let's see. Let's see what you got. And my offensive linemen were just like, oh, we can't kick out as easy. We can't double team as easy when everything's tight. Um. So it's funny you brought that up because everybody's talking. That's all the rage now is a tight front. All the rage. I don't know why it's going back or I don't even know if it's going back. It's just turning to that all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, ball is cyclical. It really is. You know, you're starting to see the tight ends come back into play. I think we even talked about this maybe the last time, but it's cyclical and, and you know, it, it, all it is is the bear front. It's just, it's a little bit more spread, not spread, but widened because of the spread, right? And so you've got to be able to play the perimeter um, with all the false key in and stuff, you know, and going back to that same all 22 game, like Clemson did a great job with false key in, uh, you know, they would send smoke and mirrors with the polar one way and bash or, you know, whatever. Um, like that's one of the things that we've got to be really careful with, with is bash. Um, kind of like you were talking about earlier with overhangs, like they've got to be very disciplined because if, if it's bug sweep with bash, Buck Sweep tells both of my interior backers to go with those guards 
well, they're completely out of the picture now. And so you've got to make sure that you keep your gap intact as an overhang because that can get hairy in a hurry. And then the safety's got to fill the alley or, you know, or, or, or play force, whatever the coverage we're in. And so, you know, just stuff like that, that I think um, it, it can, it can get back to you, but the cyclical part of it, you know, to me, I, it's coached a lot like a bear front. I mean, I grew up in the old 46, mm-hmm. you know, 50 with, you know, three down line and two stand up ends. And I mean, we were all, we were up there on the line. It was a five, two, it was a legitimate yeah. five, two, where now we've got to back them up in that glance because of the RPOs. You know, we didn't see RPOs back then. Um, I think they weren't run. I think there were RPOs before we started talking about them over the last seven, eight years. But, um, they weren't, they just weren't prevalent, right? It was all play action boot stuff. And so now with the play action boot, if you're playing a true 50, now you're, you're, you're outside defensive end. It was what we called it because it was TNT back then. It was two tackles in a nose. Now it's two ends in the nose with the linebackers backed up, but it's the same defense essentially, right? So yeah, I, I think it's cyclical and I think it's taught very similar to the same. It's just maybe a little bit different alignments here and there. Yeah, when I was in high school, up until my junior year, fun you brought up the five. We th- had the five two with a tilted nose, like we were old yeah. school, like tilted nose five two. Then we kept getting burned, so we switched to a four four. And then, nice. but it's funny you brought that. But I say that to some people, like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I'm like, I was the tilted nose at some points. Like you had to tilt whatever the strength was, and we were slanting. There were stunts keep them off. And they said, why would you do that? I'm like, to keep them off the backers. That was our job. Yeah. As linemen, we had to fire off hold. We were gapping. We held them so our backers could flow. Yep. And then we, and then we ran the four, four. That's another, we still had the same job. Um, but now I'm seeing a lot of um, not even two gapping anymore. It's more of shoulder attacking now. Right. Especially with a three, four. Um, cause I, you probably know you had to grab this guy, grab this guy and hold on for dear life. And if you made a tackle, fantastic. Now it's, Oh, even if you're a zero tech, whichever slant, the strength is whatever you're attacking the shoulder instead. And if that guy comes to a double team, you have to slip it. Um, I don't, do you guys do any of that? Or are you still two gap? I don't even see the two gap anymore. Oh yeah. We, we don't have the dudes, you know, I think you got a two gap or, I mean, chalk it up, man. Cause you're going to be really, really good. Um, they're just not out there anymore. And not to say the kids aren't tough enough to do it. I just think that the game is different in that aspect. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, the physicality of it. Um, but, yeah, we're, 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 we're declaring a gap. I'm not really a big lag guy, which is kind of what you're talking about with attacking that backside shoulder. A lot of guys will lag. Yeah. And then they'll kind of read, you know, the react after they get that shoulder attacked. Now right. they'll react and they can cross face, you know, and combat. I don't do that as much as, as we are really dictating which a gap again, it's calling defense like an offense. Right. So, um, and we keep that unbalanced too. Um, not going to give away with it. I'm going to, to the strength every time and slanting to, you know, the weak every time or the boundary in the field. I mean, we're going to, we're going to keep that unbalanced and, and do some things that, you know, um, we're, we're attacking different guys with different people because, you know, we may have a really good nose or the nose baby playing really good one night and, this, this, you know, guard over here is worried about that nose. Well, now all of a sudden he goes away from him, and I've got the defensive end coming in and playing that A-gap, and that guard has no clue, right? Well, now we've created a bubbles or a bow, right? So if he tries to down block, and now he's going to try to climb to my backer, well, we're forgetting about the defensive end that's slanting into the A-gap, and I still have another backer playing free because that slant, 
he's already crossed the face of the, you know, the tackle. If that tackle's got to go around, we've already moved quick enough to where we can't get blocked. So mm-hmm. things like that, that, uh, that I think, you know, again, the game today is so fast with quick game and the passing and the, you know, I mean, Dan Casey just wrote a freaking book on screens alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. a couple months ago, he wrote, wrote one on counter alone. And those two plays are big time plays in our, in our world today. Right. And so you look, you, you go to a college football game and you're going to see a ton of counter and a ton of screens. Why? Because Lincoln Riley's really good at the counter. And a lot of people are really good at the screens. You know, uh, a lot of people, I mean, I guess Oregon was probably the one with Chip Kelly that started all that. You know, DeAnthony Thomas. Sorry if you hear the sorry if you hear the uh, weed eater out there, but DeAnthony Thomas and and uh, you know some other people that you know back in the early two thousands and when that spread kind of came to be. I mean, the, this, the Baylor speed and and all the the dudes that can do those screen passes really well. You know, so those two things. Um, and give us fits. And so we've got to get to that backfield as quick as we can with our down linemen to kind of alleviate some of that, that stuff. One offense I think you're going to start seeing more of in a couple of years is the Coastal Carolina thing. I, I was talking to someone the other day on a podcast. I said it's just in, in a circle. You yeah. had Mike Leach and how mummy stuff come through. You had the Chip Kelly thing, Baylor. Then it kind of went to Gus's thing where we can be spread and still run wing T stuff. Then – then it's kind of just been this whole spread thing, just a botched of stuff. Now Coastal Carolina's on the scene with a spread triple option, and that's just going to come back around. Then all of a sudden it's going to be like, what's Army doing? And it's just going to be, what is Army doing? And it's going to come right back. It's just – because I love Coastal Carolina's offense, and I told someone, I was like, but I don't know if I want to install it just because I see it. But what's every high school coach going to do that runs offense? They're going to install it. So I guarantee in about three years, you're going to see pistol, king, queen look, whatever, and run triple option. It's yep. going to happen. Maybe right, man. It's uh, it's crazy how that how that works, man. And they had a lot of success with it, so I, I'm not blaming anybody. Why not, right? Or like, uh, Iowa State, the three high defense. You know, yeah. uh, Iowa State, three high safeties. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people started running it because it's good. it's good stuff. Yeah, because Coach Main said in Florida he's not looking forward to seeing Gus's offense show up because he's at UCF now. So he's like, I am not looking forward to that, to see Buck sweep wide zone, inside zone, and then play action RPO off of it. He goes, I'm not going to enjoy that. And I'm like, man, you're lucky now. Texas has had it, and Alabama, they've seen it. Florida, now you're about to see it. Yep. Um. One rumor I heard a long time ago was the best way to stop the wing tee was the 3-4 defense. And so every time someone asks me, I go, yeah, do that. Why? And I said, it takes away our angles as offensive linemen when they run the wing tee. Right. I don't know if you've ever seen the wing tee. That's all we ever did. I try to convince DCs, like, hop into an odd man front with that out. Bring them in tight and bring those backers down. Why? Because it screws up us linemen for down blocks. But what if they run buck sweep and try to get to the outside? I'm like, well, you still have safeties up there that should fly down and make the play. So I just wanted to ask you that rumor. Is that true? Is the 3-4 the best one to do wing T? I'm a 3-4 guy, so I'm not sure I'm the guy to ask. Uh, you know, we do see wing T. I mean, I think you just got to be really, really gap sound and, you know, man-for-man mentality, right? You just – you cannot – you cannot find the ball – because you won't find the ball. You got to do your job every single down. That's where the wing tee is so good because 
you know, they've got, they've got several options, you know, especially those teams that they've got a fullback that they're willing to give it to a hundred times a game, you know? And, and so if you don't hit that fullback every single time with somebody and whether it's your one of your down linemen, if you're a four down and you're squeezing and pinching, you know, or you're slanting or whatever you're doing or, or a backer, you know, again, what have you, I think you got to take gaps and you got to take people. And, and it may not always be the same person because of y'all, like you were saying, with your angles and, and your schemes. Um, but you gotta, you got to make sure that you're just really sound in your, in your interior gaps for sure. Because I think dive is the play you got to stop before anything else. Um, it's kind of what they teach first, right? Dive, and then if it's not there, that's your first option. Now let's go to option two and then option three. And so, and then with the option stuff, who's got pitch, <laughs> right? So uh, your secondary force player, I think, is extremely important in those offenses. Um, and again, every single down, like what I always taught our kids, and we were always superior to that team athletically that's running that. The reason they're running it is because they don't have the athletes that we may have. Um, but what scares me about that is our athletes thinking that they can make every play. And so, you know, safety-wise or corner-wise, if you've got pitch, you tackle pitch every time. If he's behind the line of scrimmage, you tackle him. Because then he's going to be hesitant when it is time to catch the pitch, right? And so that's kind of the way I've always done it, you know. Um, to me, the quarterback has never really been much of an issue. But, you know, if you got a good one, obviously, that's good with faking the pitch and good with reads and that type of thing, um, that's important too. But, you know, just have a guy for him too. And, and every single play, you know, you're in his face, you know, and um, got to be careful with the quarterback, not hitting him too hard because those flags have a, have a, a tendency to fly for those guys. But, um, but that running back, he's fair game. Hit him. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And, and you can only practice against that without a football. You have to have that scout not have a football. That's the only way sure. I think we've all figured out to do that. My second game being a three, four, and we're seeing a, Triple option. And I had to ask the head coach, how are we going to go about this? He goes, no football. And I'm young. I am 20 years old, 21. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> no football. It teaches them their keys. And like you said, then they actually have to hit that person. So if you're going to hit the right. running back, you're going to hit the quarterback, you're going to hit the fullback. But coach doesn't have the ball. And I was like, he's going to in the game. And if, and if he doesn't have the ball and they pull it and run to the outside, that's not your job. That's somebody else's job. Right. You got to tell those safeties don't fall asleep because the moment yeah. you fall asleep, because that's another offense. You know, I'm talking your ear off. That's another offense. I'm an offensive guy, but I look at offenses and like that's the, the pistol uh, wing T stuff, that gun T stuff. That stuff is dangerous. Uh -huh. um, I don't know if I told you last time there's a coach who runs wing raid over in uh, uh, Virginia, I think. I had him on wing raid. He's like, I install the wing T run game. Then our pass game's the air raid. And I said, are you serious? He goes, yep. I'll run wing stuff, and then we'll just hop out on trips and run air raid stuff. Yes. Yeah, that stuff makes guys, you know, at least plan for something. And if you can't stop the wing tee, it's going to come all night, you know. And if you do, we're good enough to throw the ball. So I, I think that's great. You know, I've always said you know, I, I can't stand. I may be giving away a big-time secret here, but I, I hate it when guys just come out and jump in, in, uh, in gate. You know, maybe right in the middle of the field, hey, we're going to go gate right now and have a series of gate plays. Talk about tough to line up to. I mean, mm -hmm. officials don't even know who's eligible and who's not, right? And so, you know, luckily we have the rule now where you have to have, you know, five linemen numbers. Um, but back 
few, just a few years ago, I mean, we're playing a team that lines up in a punt formation and all of them have eligible numbers and they're literally inches away from being on or off the, off the line of scrimmage. And we could, we didn't have a clue, you know, and so they, they could have easily faked punt. Luckily, I think we called timeout and they ended up lining up in a conventional punt formation, but I mean, it's, it's freaking tough, you know? And so, uh, that, that's something I'm going to actually, I'm going to actually dissect a little bit and probably, um, probably look at and, and experience, you know, experiment with to see if I, when I'm a head coach, shoot, I'm going to, I'm going to have me a series of, of straight gate plays, come out, have six plays in the gate and force them to, you know, force them to defend it. And so kind of like this wing raid stuff, you got to force them to defend both things. And if they don't, we're going to stay in it all night until you do. So I like it. Oh yeah, every time, every stop I've made, I've gone to the head coach and say, "You want to put in some pole cat, just just to come out and pole cat look." And one or two things happen; they don't know what I'm talking about, or they're like, "Should we put that in?" And I'm like, "Just screw with them." What if we don't run a play out of it? I'm like, "That's fine. They'll call a timeout." Yeah. If you're a head coach and you don't have the gate or pole pole cat, guys out there that don't know what we're talking about, you have to Google it. What gate is or pole cat? You have to look at it. I was like 22 when the head coach, we had put it in. And I'm like, what is this? I was just learning everything. And he's like, I'm like, what is this? You know, he's 40 years old. And he goes, you don't know what this is? No, we ran the power eye option in high school. I don't know what this is. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, But you defensive guys can do that too. You come out in some funky looking thing. We got to call a timeout. As a head coach, why would you not once in a while have a weird thing to come out in and make the offense call a timeout? But, I don't understand it, but I must, yeah. I don't know. What do I know? Um, is there any coverage that you just love that I have not asked about? Like you're sitting there going, Steve, why did you not ask about this coverage that I love to do? Like, is there something I missed? Like, is there something unique you do or you just love out of your three, four? Yeah, no, no, not really. I mean, you touched on the two read. We, we are, uh, we're going to major in our two read stuff. Um, out of press, I don't want to play off. Um, so that I guess if, if there's a technique that I love, it would be press coverage, um, both in the zone and the man concepts. I, I'm not married to just a man, and that's something that I have to break, especially when I got to this new school, I had to break these kids of that mindset. Every time I press, I'm in man. It's not always the case, right? So, um, and I'm also a big head head up alignment proponent, right? So not just interiorly, but also out on the, on the uh, edge. Like we'll line up head up on the outside receivers um, because I, again, I know what leverage I need based on the coverage. And so um, if I can line up head up on you and jump inside, hug the hip and man stuff, I'm way good. You know, I might need to jump inside if we're trapping. There's a lot, a lot of areas where, you know, maybe if we're even in a, a press bail concept and I need inside leverage and get to the top of the numbers and you're lined outside the numbers. Um, but I want to make it look the same every time. So, I'm a big proponent of that, uh, you know, and then, and then the split safety looks, you know, we'll do multiple coverages out of split safety looks. Um, and that's just kind of to keep everything kind of uh, the same, right. And keep it again, maybe even for lack of better terms, this is kind of a negative connotation, but keeping it monotonous to that quarterback. Cause every time he looks up, you see it all on TV and what are you doing? They're pointing to those safeties. Hey, we got two, we got two. Or we got one. Well, if I'm showing two every time and I can do something post-snap to make it one or even make it three, you know, I'm in right. good shape and I'm keeping you guessing on what we're doing. So, 
you know, that was one of the things I learned from Mike Gundy. He was recruiting one of our guys at the previous school I was at. And I had a privilege of talking to him for about 45 minutes. And what a guy. I mean, he's a great dude. Um, <laughs> he, like, we were talking about this one particular thing. So I just asked him, you know, hey, quarterbacks in your league, you know, what is it? What is the one thing that they have the most trouble with? Because if I can somehow replicate that, I may not be able to do it like the Big 12 schools are doing it. But if I can replicate it in the high school sector, then I want to do that. And he goes on this whole rabbit trail with me. And he's like, well, let me ask you a question by answering the question with a question type deal. And he said, uh, you know, what is one thing that has to happen every snap from a quarterback's perspective? So I'm thinking from a quarterback's perspective. And my first thing says well, he's got to identify one high or two high. Then he's got to know what you know, if he's if it's a pass down, he's got to know basically what protection he needs. If there's some type of call and we need to change protection, he needs to know that. You know, so I'm going through all this stuff, and, you know, and then maybe count the box. You know, I'm sure your center's identifying who zero is if that's what you do, but I, I don't know. He, he's because he's sitting there like, no, nope, that's not it. That's not it. I'm like, I, I don't know, coach. You got me. Like, you got to catch the snap, man. He's <laughs> like, you're thinking you're thinking way beyond what really has to happen every down, you know? And I'm like, okay, you got me. And he said, no, seriously. He said, when, when they look back down to catch the ball, he said, if we're in the check with me, very rarely will a quarterback legitimately look, legitimately look at the ass crack of the center. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that's so true. He's like, yeah, nobody wants to sit there and look at the crack of a, of a big old fat dude that's sweating down his – you know, sweating down his backside. He may he may look here real quick, but then he's gonna look right to the sideline, and you'll know the difference. He's like, if you watch enough film and then you pay attention enough, maybe throughout the game, you might not pick it up a first or second drive, but third drive and on, you should know when they're doing check with knees and when he is legitimately getting ready to catch the snap. That's when you move. Because I promise you one thing: every high school coach and every college coach that coaches quarterbacks will not allow that guy to look up once he gets down there and locks into catching that snap. Because if he doesn't catch a snap, then our play is, is shot, right? It's done. And, man, I, that, that was, like, groundbreaking for me. I know it sounds so elementary, but we would always scroll and roll on indicators. And from that point on, I've practiced rolling and scrolling post-snap. Because if we can show it too high – you know, and maybe if, if, if they can figure out, okay, now he's getting ready to catch the snap, I can go ahead and start my, my movement. Okay, but if we can do it post-snap, man, again, knowing your depth and divider rules, which is something I really picked up from Nick Saban, and, and knowing your, your, you know, if we're in match, if, if, if we're in country three and coverages, country coverages, knowing exactly where your zone is and get there in a hurry, you know your footwork, because like going back to what I was saying, in the EDDs, we're working footwork based on coverage, we call a different coverage every drill. Every drill we're calling a different coverage so that they're getting all of those coverages in brain or embedded in their brain. And now it makes it easier for those kids on Friday night too. So um, that was a really long answer to tell you that, that there's probably little nuances that I love more than a particular scheme, a particular coverage. I'd rather just focus in on the little things that are going to make us better, right? And when we do that, now we're playing fast and, and we're playing physical and now we're playing good defense. No, there's nothing better than a Mike Gundy story because I like Mike Gundy. Um, I hope they do well this year. I was picking them to do well. I was like, I hope they do well. And it is amazing how simple college coaches are, and sometimes we all make it more complicated. Then you watch them and you're like, like, oh, my God, that's so simple. Like, 
Sam Houston State online coach sent me like their, some drills and I'm watching these drills. I'm like, oh, you don't need equipment? And they're like, no, I have these every day with cones and towels. And I saw what they do every single day and I stole them. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. This is stupid. Yeah. Sim- like, I think I'm simple. I look at that I'm like, oh, and you get paid a lot of money to do that. And I get paid nothing and I'm trying to make it more complicated than it has to be. <laughs> but yet they've hoisted the trophy. They're national champs, you know. And yeah, I mean. Absolutely. There's something to be said about that. I agree. Well, coach, I took a lot of your time. Uh, like I said, if you walk away from this and never come back, that's fine. I enjoyed it. Um, like I said, oh, good, man. I don't know if I'll ever coach defense again because I'll lose every ounce of hair I have left. But I like to learn defense just in case. Because I love de- to coach defensive line. Like if I had to coach defense again, it has to be D-line. I can't ever look at big picture. I would lose sleep. I did lose sleep. I did lose sleep. I was the assistant DC and I lost sleep. It wasn't even on me. Offensively, I don't lose sleep. I just am ready to get mad. And then after the game, figure out what I'm going to complain about. Um, But I appreciate it. Um, I took some nuggets. Um, The way you describe things, you describe it very simply for me to where I can understand. Um, But I appreciate your time. Took a lot of it, but you ever want to come back on you come back on if i haven't scared you not at all man it's like i said earlier man it's my pleasure and and always wanting to talk ball again i don't care how big the audience uh it's not something that i you know care about a whole lot but i do take stock in in the networking portion and just talking ball when we get a chance so i'm glad glad to come on and and glad again and honored that you would ask for a second time so i appreciate it Yep. Well, everybody listening, thanks so much. Go check out Coach Harvey's Twitter and ask him any questions you got, I assume. Well, I'm just pushing that on him now. They're going to have people DM you now for questions. No, it's all good, man. I, shoot, again, that's part of it, too. Like I said, I'm coming on to talk ball. I talk ball on Twitter all the time, too, so I have no problem with it. Uh, by the way, my, my handle is uh, Coach underscore Harvey 18, so hit me up. Yep. Well, Coach, thank you so much. Guys listening, thank you. We'll see you guys next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.